carrying around a dried coon penis that he thought was lucky and was waving it all over William Shatner's face. So to get that kind of experience in small town Iowa with William Shatner there, I just don't know if that happens anywhere in the universe. Welcome to Damn It Jim, the podcast. My name is Dana Smith, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Dan Calzretta. Good evening, Dan. Dana, we're back at it for the second part of our interview with famous people from Riverside, Iowa. Tonight, we're going to be talking to Travis Riggin. Travis is the chairman of the TrekFest committee. Yeah, that's right. It's a great interview, so I think our listeners will enjoy it. So, Dan, we recently found out who the uh, special Star Trek guest star is for TrekFest this year. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, the guest celebrity for TrekFest 38 is Chase Masterson, and our listeners might know her as starring as Lita on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. She was on that show for five years. Great character on the show, and uh, she should be a really, really good guest celebrity for everyone who attends TrekFest this year. Maybe at some point we'll be fortunate enough to uh, interview her. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. We'll have to talk to Travis and see if he can't uh, hook us up. So, Dan, last week we talked to Steve Miller, uh, who is the man who came up with the idea of naming Riverside, Iowa as the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk. We put information out on Facebook and, of course, uh, YouTube. And, wow, we had quite a response to our posts and to the podcast. Yeah, in fact, on all the places that we post on Facebook, if you just tallied up all those responses, it was almost a thousand. Pretty amazing response. A few people point out that uh, Riverside is not Star Trek canon. And in the course, in the uh, new Kelvin timeline, Kirk is born in space, but apparently lives in Riverside, Iowa. Well, we do have some comments on YouTube for some previous episodes, Dana. I thought I would share a couple of those. One, from mflem299 said, you guys crack me up. How about a red t-shirt like the kind the security guy wears that reads, we're in some deep Schmidt here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. And then he also says, uh, oh, I would rather listen to your podcast than watch the old episodes. You're much more entertaining. So thank you very much, mflem 299. J.D. Lewis wrote about City on the Edge of Forever that in Britain, nurses are referred to as, quote, sisters. Since Edith speaks in a British accent, perhaps Edith is a nurse from Britain. No, it's good. Good uh, theory there, Dana. And then another listener wrote about the alternative factor, which was about a month ago. You have accomplished the impossible. Congratulations. Your podcast took the single worst Star Trek episode ever. And your remarks made it incredibly entertaining. Keep up the good work. So those were some nice comments, I thought. Excellent comments. And then uh, we did have a couple comments on Facebook regarding our conversation with Steve Miller. One is, uh, I really hope any kid born on that day uh, is named James T. Kirk. Uh, a lot of people said that they have visited Riverside, thought it was great. People posted their picture next to the uh, Captain Kirk uh, birthplace Memorial. You've been there. I haven't. Uh, so it's definitely someplace I want to get to 
And uh, I think we're making plans to make that happen. Yeah, in 2024. Also, uh, one last thing, Dana, before we um, pop into the interview with Travis Riggin, is we still have our end of season one survey open for one more week. We would love to have people fill out that survey. It only take you maybe two or three minutes. You can go to our Facebook page. We'll have the link up there as well as on other Facebook pages that have to do with Star Trek. We'll make sure to include the, the link. And there's a special Star Trek prize that people will be eligible to win. And we'll choose one of the respondents to the survey uh, in about two weeks to win that prize and we'll mail it off to them. So as a reminder, Travis Riggin is the chairman of the TrekFest committee, as you mentioned earlier. And you start out the interview by asking him how much he gets paid. <laughs> Yeah, I was curious. Chairman sounds like a high paying job. We'll find out uh, whether it is or not. All right, let's go to the interview. Does it pay well? It's actually not <laughs> completely volunteer. Um, I think the only perk out of it probably is a free t-shirt and maybe a little bit of recognition and that's about it. Well, that's cool. Thanks for doing it. Why did you want to get involved? Here in Iowa, you know, these small town festivals, they need to be attached to something. Otherwise, they're just kind of like a summer festival or a fall fest, they call them, or Memorial Day, Labor Day. Fortunately for us, we were able to attach ourselves to um, Trek Fest and being the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk, which helps bring in you know, anywhere from probably 250 to probably 500 people on a given year just to come in and tourists say that they've been to the future birthplace during Trek Fest. Um, they got dressed up during the costume contest. Um, you know, they did the trivia. They got the meet and greet, the autographs, just kind of the whole nine yards. Um, that's kind of what drew me into more so the um, the aspect of being the organizer of it because I didn't want to see the celebration turn into just a typical run of the mill town celebration that doesn't bring much tourism into the city. It is truly amazing to see, you know, the people that come in from all over the country, um, you know, New York to North Carolina to um, Wisconsin, California, Hawaii sometimes. I mean, truly, I don't think that there's a lot of other town celebrations out there that can bring in that kind of crowd. Um, just in the sense, too, I mean, we're a town of less than 1,500 people. So not a very big town. Did you even watch Star Trek before you got involved in this? I would say that I watched the episodes probably that most people under the age of 30 that are kind of like, I would say, lukewarm into Star Trek had watched. Having all those different um, new series out there can get the younger audience into Star Trek potentially, or even just to be a lukewarm fan to be more welcoming of this event. Paint us kind of a picture of what a day in the life of Trek Fest looks like. So last year's we had J.G. Hertzler and Robert O'Reilly, the original Klingons, come into our event. They're a huge fan hit when they come in. Um, they like to be in with the crowd and the people. So for our Star Trek fans coming in, something that they can expect is probably the most arms reach experience to a celebrity when it comes to our event compared to going to your normal festival or convention that you might be separated by a clear plexiglass wall or a table that you awkwardly have to pose over. This is a very, very up close and personal event. You have a chance to get a picture with that person at the costume contest, or maybe it's even at the autograph session, or it could be at the Q&A. Um, we want to be that entry level festival that can experience some of that nature that a sci-fi fan is looking for and also saving them some money rather than spending 
spending a couple hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars if you're looking at something like the Star Trek cruise, for example. But the rest of the celebration, you know, we have a parade, costume contest. We just started a new event, a model crafters exhibit so people can put together their um, sci-fi ships or their sci-fi cities that they build and model that kind of stuff. And that was a pretty big hit. We had 30 plus entries last year. And this year, supposedly, it's looking like we might get up to like 75. Last year, we auctioned off a Batlift guitar. So it was like a Klingon-shaped sword. Last year, we came up with the idea of moving our beer tent closer and changing the name to that to the Riverside Shipyard. We had a signature beer from a brewery that was made that was called Sector 47. And that was done by a local beer sponsor. Um, and also, they're going to be doing it this year. And so at the shipyard, after the parade, we bring in our um, USS Riverside replica. It looks very much similar to a standard starship. So that was parked down there. So, I mean, you could have a beer, you could be standing next to it, get a picture. For our event too, there's no tickets. You don't pre-buy a ticket. You show up, you can camp, you can get a hotel 10 minutes away. If you want to go to the model exhibit, it is a free entry. If you want to go to the costume contest, it's a free entry. If you want to go to one out of any one of our concerts that are in the park during this weekend that are from some of the top artists in the area. And I mean, those are all free. The only paid things that are actually out there is if you want to get an autograph and a photo, it's anywhere between 20 and $40. Our events that are Trek-wise are spaced out far enough that there is some leeway and stuff. Like the Q&A, for example, there was one year in the past five years that the Q&A went for three and a half hours. We're just sitting up there, a room full of about 150 to 200 people chatting with this celebrity and asking them questions. And something in the future that I'd like to do, being as we have that partnership with a local brewery, I'd love to do like a um, Stars and Pints or like a um, maybe like a beer tasting that would be like a podcast that somebody could, you know, interview the star, make sure it's like a one-on-one experience, you know, maybe a 50 to 100 people can be there and each one have tables, you get a signature mug, you get your picture taken with the celebrity, you're having a beer with this celebrity, and as well as have a couple podcasters up there on stage. I think people want to come here and experience it just to check it off their list. Because I think we're kind of, we were collapsed at one time, but now with all this new stuff, it's widening the horizon of the exposure that it's getting. And I think we've got some some younger viewers that are kicking into it and really tuning in. And with all those new series, like you said, it just is bringing, especially with the Chris Pine movies and all the series that are out now, it's just reaching those people and letting them know that, hey, there's this really cool event that goes on in Riverside, Iowa, and you got to get to it. If it wasn't for the Chris Pine movies with J.J. Abrams directing it, I'm probably not sitting in the seat saying I'm chairman of TrekFest 37 because realistically, I didn't understand the concept of it, didn't get to know the older series and stuff like that. And so for me, I'm very thankful that they have put out new content to help engage those people like myself to be exposed to what Star Trek is. So in that film, Riverside, Iowa, plays a kind of a small role in the film. Yeah. When did you guys get that canyon, by the way? I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the funny thing about it, the only logical thing that we can say that it came from. So we have the English River that flows right behind the park there. And possibly, you know, over the next hundred, couple hundred years, just washed away and created this huge, <laughs> huge canyon. It allowed for this large crater and mass to be put there and for young James T. Kirk to drive a cherry red convertible Corvette into that canyon. And, you know, that scene is so great for the town of Riverside. Also, Paul Wesley in the last 
episode of Strange New Worlds. He comes in and says, you know, where are you from, Kirk? And he's like, from a small town in Iowa, Riverside. And it's like, you know, that's all we need to. It's like a little bit of claim to fame, throw the name out there. Um, and it's going to do our event a good service, you know, because it's going to allow us that following. Uh, it's going to allow us that new market and um, demographic of stars that we're trying to attract to come in. Especially, I mean, even the girl power that's in um, Star Trek Discovery. Holy cow. All those ladies that are powerhouses and that. I mean, there's a lot of great celebrities to now choose from in the Star Trek universe to get in for a very up close and personal like experience like our event, Trek Fest. When the movie came out, you had a special showing in Riverside. Is that right? Not in Riverside. Um, Paramount put it out to us and they worked with a local movie theater up in Iowa City. We had a whole movie theater that we had school buses and limousines and all kinds of stuff that picked up people in the community center. I believe it was at the elementary school and drove all these people up to this event. I would have been, what, in 10th or 11th grade when that came out? You know, for me, still in high school, but understanding, you know, the concept of like, wow, this is kind of a big deal. Like, what what's going on here? And then like parents dragging me to go watch Star Trek at the time, it was like, it was literally dragging. But at the end of it, it's like, I've probably watched that movie 25 to 35 times, maybe, you know, and so it's like, if it wasn't for that J.J. Abrams um, movie, I just don't know if I'd be the one sitting in this chair talking with you guys today. Well, we've mentioned J.J. Abrams several times on the podcast to try to get the word out that we'd love to interview him. But I, I'm not sure he I, I don't think he listens to the podcast, but maybe <laughs> maybe someone will get the word out to him. Well, I'll keep on name dropping him here throughout this um, interview if you need me to. <laughs> <laughs> what is your day job, though? I work for a electrical distribution company um, in the inside sales. Um, and so I do that from nine to five. And during the spring, I also coach high school golf. I coach about 20 high school boys and girls. And that takes me pretty much up until Trek Fest and then boom, Trek Fest. Um, so currently, you know, when practices are going, sometimes I'll get a call from a newspaper and have to step aside, you know, on the golf course and the wind's blowing in the phone microphone. For me, very, very busy um, when it comes to scheduling things to do. So I have to make sure that I'm productive with the time that I do have. And then soon to be expecting, you know, my wife and I too. So that'll be another one. Wow, congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. So that'll be another... Um, niche in the hat here. So I'll have to have a, like a playbook put together for next year to make it really easier, you know, going along like date wise, knowing like what needs to be done when. So. Well, what do you got coming up? Did you say this is number 38? 38. Tell us a little bit about what's going on for number 38. Can't say the celebrity yet. I wish I could to you guys, but she is a prominent woman figure in the Star Trek universe. She will be a hit with the fans. And then the other one would be John Paladin coming in, the makeup artist. And the nice thing about John Paladin is he comes in a day or so early. And what he'll do is on Friday all day is he'll do fan makeup. And so if somebody wants to be a Klingon or they want to be a Vulcan, he'll do that fan makeup for them for a fee that you would set up with our museum there. So that's super cool. On Thursday night, it was something we did last year. We will have a evening event after the setup. So typically set up on Thursdays, hopefully done by 730 or so. But last year we opened the beer tent up and we were selling our Sector 47 beer from the Cloner Brewery. We had the Star Trek movie. So that was a lot of fun. Beer tent open, movie showing, um, 
Then on Friday, it's kind of a brief period where people could go around and see the town monuments and statues and the museum. If you want to get makeup done, you could do that as well. Events pick up on Friday, autograph session and the ceremony of the stars. So that way they get introduced at the museum. Then there'll be the trivia in the park. We'll have a demolition derby. If you guys haven't been to one of those, they take older cars and they just ram them together. It's quite a bit of fun. That is our only other paid event, but that that's a, that's a hoot to see that done. Um, we have a dog show. I call it intergalactic pet show. Last year, we had a cat and a chicken show up there for it. They had to kind of be put on two different sides of the area there, <laughs> just preventatively. Um, and then on Friday night, we have one of the most renowned bands in the area, Dogs on Skis, coming in. They're actually a Hall of Fame nominated band for the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that'll be huge. Um, they brought in a huge crowd for us last year. And then we'll have another band come in after them. Then on Saturday, um, we will have a pancake breakfast, a fun run. We will have the parade, the model contest. We will have bingo. We'll have the costume contest, the beer tent, obviously the shipyard beer tent that we had. That's right up and close to the stage there. We're working on getting a cornhole tournament as well as some youth baseball and volleyball tournament in the sand. Two more bands and then we'll have fireworks. In the past years, the fireworks have been really neat in the set up of it they will sometimes do like battle scenes and you know have audio over the fireworks that kind of goes and plays a theme of star trek which is really cool to see as well lots of lots of fun stuff happen over the weekend and like i said for the most part everything from that event is free other than food drinks lodging if you want autographs and if you decide to go see two cars smash into each other i mean it's just a jam-packed weekend for the youth to the adults, the Star Trek fans, the not Star Trek fans. It doesn't matter. Um, there's something here for everyone to be doing. It is something that I think that should be on the bucket list of a Star Trek fan. I think they would really enjoy coming here and experiencing it and seeing the difference in an event in Iowa that is Star Trek related rather than a California, uh, a Denver, you know, a Starbase indie um, and just feel relaxed. That remind us of the dates again for this year. Um, yeah, so it's June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. The hotel, is that associated with the casino? Do they have a hotel there as well? Yes. So the casino is associated with the hotel. And what's the name of that casino again, in case people are wanting to reserve a room? Yeah, Riverside Casino and Golf Resorts. That's seven minutes away from the main hub here. And yeah, it's got everything all underneath one roof, the pool, golf simulator on the casino floor. So you have to be over 21 to get on there. You know, on Thursday night, for example, after our social event, if you want to go in there and, you know, listen to some live music, they got live free music in there as well on the weekend. So, I mean, it's got it all underneath one roof for you. It's it's almost a no brainer if you have the ability to stay there to try to get out there to the casino to stay during the, the Trek Fest celebration. You guys have run a shuttle or anything from the casino? Or? So the shuttle is something that they will do. Um, it's something that gets set up at their valet there rather than dinking with parking or anything like that just having them drop you off and have a spot that they can pick you back up at and then you can enjoy as much of that sector 47 as you want you don't have to drive <laughs> right and especially if we get some form of like um a romulan ale or a um klingon um trying to think of the beer name that we were throwing out there but maybe a klingon kolsch that's a that's a good one since you've been in charge of it before but you've been obviously around it for a while do you have any special memories from the trek fest my 
most special memory I would say would have been when my mom was the chairman actually of Trek Fest. The one time that she was, I believe it was the same year that the new Star Trek movie was coming out or it was the year after. But we had Walter Koenig, George Takai, and Nichelle Nichols all here during the same time. That was really, really cool to see. Each one of them were so great to work with. It's kind of a breath of fresh air for the celebrities too, because it's like, you know, we don't ever get to see a town this small, be able to have this kind of space around us and, you know, be around the people like this. It's typically in a closed setting, like a hotel or event center, you know? And so this is, this is very unique. I would say that's probably the the biggest one. Well, it's kind of a follow-up question to that. What's the weirdest thing or the strangest thing that's ever happened during any of the Trek Fests that you can recall? I'm going to turn it for 180 here. William Shatner came to town to do a, what was supposed to be a movie that turned out to be a ripoff um, and a spoof, um, hoax, whatever they want to call it. But over that time, it was during the summer of 2004, 2005-ish. My dad was actually William Shatner's personal assistant for three weeks. So William Shatner was in our home. He used our bathroom. Um, he rode around in our car. My car bed at the time was in the background when he went into the bathroom, like door wide open, bed unmade. I got scolded for that. <laughs> you know, seeing sci-fi from the eyes of a fourth and fifth grader at the time, I didn't understand it. For me, it was it was kind of different. It was, you know, weird. The Priceline guy is riding around. I wish that we could get William Shatner to come to Trekfest. Unfortunately, price here, expectation of what we're thinking, you know, down here. However, he came to town on his dime and donated money back to our town. He gave all the main cast characters, which were built up of members of the community, different things of monetary value. For example, somebody got to go to Paris. Um, the farmer that was in it got a new tractor. One of the, the wives in the movie, um, she received a trip to New York and her daughter got acting lessons out in LA, you know, so there's all different things. And my dad, he wanted to go to Hawaii. And so we went to Hawaii. So I guess the weirdest thing was, is at one time I could say that I used the same bathroom as William Shatner. <laughs> Did you get to see him without the toupee though? Would he have had that guys like in 2005? Yes. Yeah. He started losing his hair when he was nine. Okay. So then yes, I seen him with it. Never without it. Never without. I don't think anyone's ever seen him without it. Well, when we were talking to Steve Miller last week, he did talk about William Shatner being in town and how he shared cigars with William Shatner. He had, I think, some fond memories of that as well. During that experience, William Shatner stepped into every business, I believe, in town almost and engaged the customers even more so than the experience they would get at Trekfest. For example, there was a I mean, there was a citizen there that he carried around a dried coon penis that he thought was lucky and was way it all over William Shatner's face. So to get that kind of experience in small town Iowa with William Shatner there, as well as him holding an Emmy when it happened, I just don't know if that happens anywhere in the universe. Imagine, say, 40 years from now, what, how big do you think Trek Fest is going to be? I would love our event to, within the next couple of years, to reach the mark that you could say that there's 5,000 people that were at Trek Fest. Within the next 20 years, I would think that if our event could get 
10,000 people there over the course of Trek Fest weekend. I think that would be a huge achievement for not only our town celebration, but also the brand of Star Trek. You know, in 200 years, do you think that the name James, middle name Kirk, add last name of citizen of Riverside, Iowa, how many James Kirks do you think are going to be born (laughs) in Riverside, Iowa in 200 years during that birth year? Well, I can tell you that there will not be a James T. Kirk for my child that's coming into <laughs> the future this, this coming summer. Um, I was shot down on that idea. But in 200 years, you know, um, I would hope that there'd be a few. And the reason why I say that is if there's a few, that means as a community, we've embraced the idea of Star Trek and the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk and a couple local citizens thought so highly enough of our town celebration as well as the Star Trek brand as itself to name their child James T. Kirk. Well, I think it'll happen. I think it's going to happen. Couples planning for the exact date. You know, it's like, okay, we have we got to conceive today. Or even the, the joke that was done at our local bar, they had a plaque made that say James T. Kirk was conceived <laughs> on this pool table on this date nine months before the the birth of the future Captain Kirk. And so I don't know if that pool table and the bar will be there, but I mean the exact spot, who knows what the details are of that. That would be very interesting to see how that unfolds. Travis, thank you so much for taking your time with us tonight. It's been a, an excellent interview. Really appreciate it. If people haven't been to Riverside for Trek Fest, it is a fantastic event. And uh, like I said, I'm talking, I went a long time ago and it was awesome. It sounds like it's even better now. Once again, give us the dates. Yeah, so it's June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Well, that sounds awesome. I wish I could be there this year. Uh, definitely going to try to make it the following year. For your guys' as fans of the show and you guys both for your schedule, looking to 2024, it is always the last full weekend of June. You guys just bookmark that and know it. It's like last weekend in June. It's Trek Fest. It's going on my Google Calendar tonight so that yeah. nothing else gets scheduled. <laughs> and once again, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, we really appreciate your time and all the information you've given us. But I hope uh, we can reach some more people and uh, this will boost uh, the attendance this year. I hope so too. Dana, next week we start season two. Can you believe it? I'm kind of excited for season two. There's, uh, It's going to be tough to beat season one. I think there was a plethora of good episodes in season one. Uh, season two, we get some corn thrown in. Uh, it gets a little corny at times, but there are some great episodes. I agree. I Yeah, I totally agree. We start off with a muck time. And we get introduced to a new character in season two. One of my favorites, actually. Chekhov. That's right. The whole reason they put him in was to attract younger viewers. Yeah, and he's been to Riverside several times. Yeah. Well, good. Well, so next week we've got a muck time. That'll be exciting. And once again, a reminder for people to please fill out the end of season one survey. You'll be able to find the link on Facebook. And we've got a great prize that we're going to draw from one of the respondents to the survey. And we'll mail that out to someone. We'll announce that again in a couple of weeks. All right, Dan. Well, uh, another episode in the books. And we're just one week away from starting season two. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Hey, enjoy the rest of your week, Dana. You too, Dan. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again to all of our uh, listeners who comment on Facebook and send us messages. Until we meet again, live long and prosper. Thanks once again for listening to Damn It, Jim, the podcast. 
please send us an email at dammitjimpodcast at gmail.com or join the discussion on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Remember to fill out our end of season one survey. You've got another week to get that done and be entered to win a great Star Trek prize. Make sure to join Dana and Dan next week for the beginning of season two with Amok Time. Have a great rest of your week and remember to live long and prosper. Oh,